morning, good morning. door's so heavy for little ones. She's stuck. All right, we got a lot of folks on Zoom. Good morning. Good morning. They can't see you all, but whatever, they're all over there. Uh, many of you know this already, but um, I often sit outside when I'm putting my thoughts together for Sundays. Um, that, of course, happened really early in the week because this is way too cold for my body. Um, but in doing so this week, I actually sat just a few feet away from the compost bin that sits around the corner of our house. That means I could smell the composting process. <laughs> if you sat back there with me this week, you probably could smell it too. That's what that was, by the way. It's pretty bad. And as you might imagine, this contributed to the swirling of thoughts that I'd been having after our last gathering, which included some reflections within my conversation group back there in the back where we landed on waste. In other words, my brain was stuck on poop this week. I mentioned it at the last gathering. It was really, it was really stuck there. And I know that's a strange way to start a sermon, but I'm hoping I at least have your attention and we're not going to fall asleep this morning. Not that any of you do that. Uh, but it does connect to our text today and actually to our community conversation, which seems a bit weird, but uh, to that we're having after the gathering. So we'll get there in a minute. I also decided to revisit one of the most influential books I think I've even read in the last few years. It's called Hospicing Modernity. It's by Vanessa Machado de Oliveira. In it, she says this. Another interesting fact is that we have prayers for things that go into our bodies, but not for what comes out. We have prayers for things that go into our bodies, but not for what comes out. This statement was made as part of her own reflections on what metabolism means. Metabolism being one of the three ways of imagining society along with individualism and collectivism. To which she says this, the best definition I can offer with the language I have and this is my own interpretation, is to say that metabolism evokes nested systems and entities that operate in rhythms and cycles that are constantly changing and processing energy and matter. In the language of modernity, seeing the planet as a metabolism can only be used as a metaphor that gestures towards something that is living, that contains us, and that has a much longer temporality than humanity. The metaphor of metabolism is an invitation to seeing everyone and everything, so human, non-human, seen, unseen, known, unknown, and knowable, as nested living entities engaged in non-linear movement, in non-linear time. Later on, in another section, and I'm not kidding you, it's called Toilet Teachings. <laughs> she continues to say this, and pardon the words. Flush toilets reinforce the belief that we are separate individuals, entitled to poop comfortably, to send shit away with the water, and never have to think about it again. Metaphorically speaking, this aversion, avoidance, and lack of ability to compost shit may be what got us into this mess in the first place. The mess of modernity. 
So you can probably see why I couldn't shake the thoughts that got brought up last week uh, in my conversation group around uh, this interplay between metabolism and composting, particularly the waste part. But at this point, you might be asking, what, what the heck does any of this have to do with today's text, which is, you can see in the bulletin is John 16, uh, or the community conversation. So in terms of the text, I'm going to share a little bit of context before we read it, and then we'll circle back around to our community conversation that's going to happen after the gathering. So our text is John 16, as I mentioned. You're welcome to turn there uh, if you've got a Bible with you, or you can click there uh, in, your, in your bulletin link if you would like. It is actually part of what is known as Jesus's farewell discourse, okay? So this whole section is, is really full of Jesus, Jesus preparing to leave, okay? So prior to our text uh, for today, uh, Jesus foretells that he is going to be betrayed. That's chapter 13. In chapter 14, he promises the Spirit, who will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Then in chapter 15, Jesus declares that he is the vine and we are the branches. You've probably heard that story. And he continues with the words, this is my commandment, love one another as I have loved you. And then he says, I no longer call you servant, but friend. And then just prior to our text, we have the, the world will hate you bit. As he said, if the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. So this is the context uh, in which we enter our text for today. And I'll be reading from the NRSV, stopping along the way to make some exegetical comments, as I sometimes do. Uh, feel free to follow along or just listen. That's completely fine. Okay, so chapter 16, verse 1. I have said these things to you to keep you from stumbling. Stumbling, or this could also be translated as falling away. The Greek word here is skandalizo, which also means to cause a person to begin to distrust or desert uh, one whom they ought to trust or obey. I have said these things to you to keep you from stumbling. They will put you out of the synagogue. So, they will exclude you from the sacred assemblies. In other words, you'll be excommunicated, put out of community, put on the margins. And dare we imagine maybe joining those who are already on the margin. Indeed, an hour is coming when those who kill you will think that by doing so, they are offering worship to God. And they will do this because they have not known the Father or me. The father here in Greek is pater, which is generally translated as generator, the one who founded a family or kin, if you will. Another way of saying this, though, is that it is the author of a family or society of persons animated by the same spirit as themselves, and yet they have not known this author, nor the one, Jesus, who is in front of them. But I have said these things to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you about them. That you might remember, that you might call to mind or hold in your memory to the extent that you feel it. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. 
But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? None of you ask me, where are you going? Kind of like how we don't ask where that which has fed us goes in order to return to us in the cycles of metabolism and composting. Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Sorrow like one who is mourning, right? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the advocate to you. The advocate, the par- parakletos, the one who leads an, uh, pleads another's case, right? Or is a counsel for defense. The advocate leads to this deeper knowledge of truth, perhaps maybe even to the good news. The advocate is the one to give divine strength to undergo trials, right, and persecution. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the advocate to you. This is the word of the Lord. If we were continuing to read this chapter, we would hear that the Spirit would be the one to come and convict, to, to bring clarity regarding sin, righteousness, and judgment, all of the things which Jesus and the disciples are facing. The Spirit will bear the truth. And then interestingly, connecting back to last week's text, which was Psalm 126, in verse 20 of this chapter, Jesus declares that sorrow will turn to joy. Now, when we chose this text for today, we recognized that in a gathering last spring, we had already covered this text and the need for Jesus to go away. But today, we want to actually suggest and build upon the idea that we have to let go in order to have something return to us. And in this case, it's the Spirit. And this uncoercive seed, the advocate, comes amidst and is integral to the composting process. The spirit is the animating force, the one who continues to breathe life into us. So how might we, as Jesus says, remember? How might we allow the Spirit to move us to trust the composting process for whatever lies ahead in life, faith, family, community, the world? When the hours of difficulty come, will we remember? And will we wonder and even ask, where are you going? Where does that which has fed us go in order to return to us? Just as our collective capacity to wonder about our own body's processes, the disciples had lost the capacity to be more curious about where Jesus was going and how his leaving or them letting him go was a necessary part of their own metabolizing and composting processes. 
Among many things, Sankofa stirred in us, for those of us who took that journey in February. Among the many things that stirred in us and confronted us was the ongoing work required to compost what has been produced by our ancestors and continues to be produced today through, through racial and civil rights violence. And that includes our perpetuation of it or complicity in it. To borrow the words of Machado de Oliveira, we just can't send shit away with the water to never have to think about it again. We are invited to join the spirit, to join the advocate who speaks truth and leads the composting process. We are part of a nested world, connected through the cycles of composting and metabolism, awakening us anew in each moment to join in the web of life in the kingdom and to remain curious and full of wonder asking, where are you going? While hopefully expectant for the generative life forces to return to us. John, my spouse, doesn't know it this week, but I'm going to rope him into helping me empty that smelly, heavy compost here in the next few weeks. <laughs> Dumping it into the garden bed to make way for that cycle of life to start all over again. I mention this to remind us that the composting process is not an individual process. It connects us to one another, albeit sometimes more clearly than in other times. It is communal. In those moments when we are put outside of community, marginalized, or when we simply feel that we don't belong, the Spirit helps us remember the truth, that we are a part of the kingdom, animated by the advocate who stands with us and gives us divine strength to undergo trials and persecutions. Let us not just be a people who pray for the things that go into our bodies, but also for what comes out. Remembering that the advocate leads us in the composting process, which returns us to ourselves and to God and the kingdom. Amen. May it be so.